Lagos Talks 91.3 and Corporate Shepherds presents the man of the hour. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome I.D. Enang. This is Navigate with I.D. Enang. This is Navigate with I.D. Brought to you by Corporate Shepherds. Welcome, my dear friends and distinguished listeners of Navigate with IDNANG. It's such an honor, pleasure, and all glory to God to have you listening this spectacular time. Friends, what can I say? It's been a very glorious start to the month, and I hope you are very hopeful and very positive about what the month will bring to you and to yours and to our community, and of course, our nation as as a whole. We started a very interesting summer special, which I tagged Entrepreneurship 101. The whole duty and direction and objective is to create a more seeming basic understanding of what entrepreneurship is, and to support a wide spectrum of individuals to look inwards and believe more in themselves and understand if they have what it takes to be entrepreneurial and if the spirit of entrepreneurship does reside. And to that extent, they could then take the leap of faith and start something no matter how small. That said, in the first edition this week, I had said not everyone is cut out to be an entrepreneur. So we started from basic understanding, and I just want to do a slight recap of what we had in the last session as I then move into the main session for the day, which will be about laying the groundwork. But before I get into laying the groundwork, let me just do more or less a recap, especially around the traits of an entrepreneur. One of the things that I did say among so many, which I'll uh, try to elucidate as follows. Number one, an entrepreneur is a risk taker. And entrepreneurs need to be willing to take risks such as financial risk, personal risk, professional risk, and or emotional risks. Entrepreneurs are opportunity seekers. They look at problems as opportunities. Number three, entrepreneurs are action-oriented. They get things done. Number four, entrepreneurs are contagiously enthusiastic. They enjoy what they are doing. And their enthusiasm is often contagious. Number five, entrepreneurs are open-minded. They consider new ways of getting things done. Number seven, entrepreneurs are driven by vision. They keep the big picture in mind. Number eight, entrepreneurs are hard workers. Small businesses can require some long hours and very intense work. Entrepreneurs don't mind putting in extra time and making sacrifices to reach their goal. Number nine, entrepreneurs can be likened to be bus drivers, meaning they like to be on the driver's seat. They like to be driving the bus. They are on the driving seat. So I just liken it to being 
a bus driver. So imagine sitting there at the back of the wheel and then you're ferrying a host of passengers who could be your staff, could be your partners, stakeholders, and you're all moving down to a certain destination, which is known to all. And your duty is to ensure that they arrive there safely and in sound conditions. Number 10, entrepreneurs are passionate about the course. Most entrepreneurs start their business based on something that they are passionate about. And number 11, entrepreneurs are what you can call social animals. Why? Because they enjoy working with people. And if you are opening or forming a new business, it requires a lot of help from friends, from family, from the employees and mentors, and of course, the kings themselves, which are the customers. Friends, those are the things we did look at as traits of entrepreneurship. And for you to have that whole drive as an entrepreneur, some of these traits must be resident in you. We went on to consider varied resources, and that is more or less providing a good bench as we now look at a very good part of what should make the whole story more or less kick off. So when we talk about laying the groundwork in this class, tag Entrepreneurship 101, I want you to understand that it's time for you to start thinking about what your small business will look like. Where do you find ideas? How do you know if they are good ideas? In this particular session, I'm hoping you will be able to create a worksheet to help you find business ideas that relate to what you are passionate about. And hopefully, you'll also learn how to assess those ideas and evaluate your capacity for risk. If you are not a risk taker, you cannot venture into business. And being entrepreneurial means that you have an inbuilt capacitor for risk. So let us start by saying, if we had a billboard that is screaming right before our faces, and that billboard has inscription, finding business ideas, what will strike you first and foremost? The first thing that will strike you is a question, what am I good at? This is very, very key because oftentimes you find people, you know, are craving for business ideas. Deep down in them, they just know that they need to do something but they can't figure it out. People know that they desire to do something, but they can't smell the coffee. Sometimes necessity also becomes the mother of invention. So tough times, rough times, hard times, tribulations, all manner of stuff that will hit people at different times in their lives can force people to look at, I need to do something different. Or better still, we talk about multiple streams of income. Today, not many people will leave 
on just one stream of income. It's almost sounding like a bad idea. And this is not to suggest that if you're earning a very honest income that is well suited to meet your needs, that you are doing a bad thing. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that there are people that are structured now that desire multiple streams. And so this imaginary billboard is staring them in the face, written boldly business ideas. In another context, finding business ideas. But there's a question or a series of questions that underpin that statement on that board. The first one is, what am I good at? Let me redirect you or redirect it by saying, what are you good at? If you are considering starting your own business, it makes sense to start with what you know. Please ask yourself the following questions. Number one, what do I enjoy doing? Remember, friends, this is a very basic school of entrepreneurship. It's a summer special, and it's meant to serve a wide array of audiences. So don't be insulted. You find this very primary, or more or less, you say, this is not for my type of person. But trust me, you don't stop learning. You continuously learn and even refresh in order to be rejuvenated. Because I know some people may be listening to this and say, I want to change this channel. Don't touch that dial. There will be something in there. Even if not for you, but for your son, daughter, guardian, ward, customer, subordinate, peer, or some other person who you need to give some useful counsel to. And when they come to you, what do you say? You can't afford to say, I don't know. Or just say anything. You must at least be able to offer some measure of wisdom. So what am I good at? What are you good at? It starts with asking yourself, what do you enjoy doing? I remember vividly a couple of years back, I had an encounter with a very good friend of mine. And as we had um, this reconnect, as you may call it, she kept on telling me that, you know, I did things have really gone very awry and um, the husband had just been laid, laid off, you know, and then, yeah, she was working, but now our own salary couldn't carry the entire gamut of the house. And I said to her, but you used to be a very good cook. I remember back in the day, whatever happened? And she said, well, still a hobby, still a passion. But right now, she's not even thought about it. I said, but you enjoy doing it. It's something that you enjoy doing. So convert it to cash. It's very simple. She said, so what do you think I should do? I think the first thing you should do is to have a community. And just look around you. The community is right behind you or right in front of you or beside you. She asked me and said, what do I specifically mean? I said, let me tell you something. There are a lot of women today, if given the opportunity, 
they would like people to serve or provide them good food that they can serve their families because they don't have time. And I'm sorry, you know, if I have to use this example, I mean no disrespect. I actually said to her, I said, look for bankers. A lot of women in banking are not able to cook because they don't have time, especially those at the junior, middle management cater, and even senior. But if they find someone that can, you know, provide them with tops, I said, look at this four-liter paint tops. If you can, you know, generate soups that will feed the family in that context, you will then become a supplier. And she looked at me and said, but, you know, I'm working now. How do I make it happen? I said, go and take two weeks off. Go and ask for leave of absence for a while. I said, have you taken your annual leave? She said, no. I said, go and ask for it now. This is the time. She said, ah, but I'll need it. I said, hey, you are the one saying that you feel that you are being choked. And I'm telling you, this is a one-time survival dimension that will not last for long. If you don't arrest it now, be rest assured six months from now, you might be so frustrated that you'll go lean over time. Go and apply for your leave. When you apply for your leave, here's what you'll do. Take a piece of paper and put together a questionnaire. Go on Broad Street. And when there are so many banks on Broad Street, drop in every single bank you'll find from the beginning to the end. When you finish doing that, you will collate all of it by the end of play or the next day. Just go back and tell them. Just sampling opinion is a questionnaire. By the time you gather all of that information, you'll realize that just one street called Broad Street, you've probably have about 10, 15, maybe 20 customers that are waiting for someone to supply that service. And she said to me, she'll try it. I said, if you take three weeks out, take your leave, and what do you do? When you come and analyze the paper, analyze the data, you can now put them in clusters. You realize that some would like soups, some would like, and they will specify because you ask them, what type of soup would you prefer? Many would rush for the normal, a dikaikong, a gusi, or okra. I said, watch it. Those three will be your staple. And there will be delicacies you can ask. What type of delicacy would you like? What type of protein would you like to go with it? All of those, package it and put it in there in your questionnaire. Not more than 10 questions. And then have some open-ended dimensions to make it 12. Just two open-ended. Then you collate it. When you collate the information, it will give you a direction. I said, that's what basic market research will do. And when you finish, it will tell you where they also reside because you know. So the next thing you'll do is to go into the market because you have found out that they want stew, they want this type of stew, whether fish, chicken, whatever. You then have to locate the market where you're going to procure. So you have to now buy cartons of fish chicken, 
and then think about storage. So do you have power at home? So you can use store. Do you have a freezer? She now started looking at me. I said, this is how business will start. The next time she called me, she said, wow, I do. you know what? This is what I found out. This, 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 what do I do? I said, very good. I said, now you have to now face different markets. I said, go to Ketu. Go to the one very close to you on the island. Go to Agege. Take a sample. And at the end of the day, you will have customers who will become your suppliers. I said, once you settle in and not signing a contract, but at least on every item, you must have two suppliers. And the reason for having two is you will always bounce the pricing of one over to the other. And thank God for cell phones. Walk your phones. Now have the dedicated line. You have to now take on a dedicated business line. Not this one that you use for all and sundry. Keep it as your dedicated business line. She went through the motions with me. And by the second week of the leave she took, she was very clear as to what would happen. Proud to this, I said to her, your leave allowance is going to be your seed fund. So, like every other organization, she was entitled to 10%, you know how it is, 10% of your uh, salary base salary will be your leave allowance. Unlike before, that you carry this money and just put it somewhere. This one is your seed fund. So you go back to this same cluster of people because you now have their contact, send them messages and ask them when would they like to be supplied and where. I said, now you will now determine the type of staff that you require. Because you work nine to five or eight to five as you were, Mondays through Fridays, it means you need your own staff. So what would you do weekend? Weekends will be your time for putting all of this together. You need someone that will help you go to the market. You can't be the one going all the way through. So take one of your staff that you employ, can be your sister at home, could be your niece or your cousin, somebody within your family at home there. Take him or her down to the market, introduce him or her to your customers, and then... When you hire someone, they will go together and they will match the supplier who will match the person coming to represent you who will be like the manufacturer's representative and they will supply you at a particular time or day. As time goes on, you can then look for a particular cabman whose duty will be to pick up this merchandise and bring them home. Friends, that was the birth of a business. I need not go into details. But she started making some very good money. To the extent that she had to set up a business. And today, our hot pot is working so well. To the extent that, you know, I'm talking about years ago, she's now left paid employment and is now providing this service full-time. Now, where did we start from? Basic question or a basic challenge 
the vicissitudes of life can bring hardships. And some people say, where is the idea? What can I do? Yet what you're looking for is within you. What do you enjoy doing? That was just the first question under the big heading, what am I good at? And I gave you that story of this sister of mine who today is flourishing in providing first-class service to do a wide spectrum of audiences, either in art parties or home deliveries. The second question is, what am I good at? Which is linked to what do I enjoy doing? So my sister was very good. She enjoyed cooking. Then the question is, what am I good at? Now, you may not necessarily link up both because you may enjoy cooking, but you may not be good at setting the table. You may not be good at planning. So you would have to ask yourself, what exactly are you good at? What can you do? The third question that is linked to this whole sponge is what feedback have you gotten from others? So, for example, have your friends always said to you, these cookies are so good, they should be in a bakery? Like they always said to my friend and sister, this your soup is so good, why don't you open a restaurant? So one thing leads to the other. I can tell you that where she started from was not where she is or where she landed. Because people started giving feedback and ideas. Why are you doing this? Can't you have a restaurant, a place people can come? And that's how it started. And rather than move into a full-fledged restaurant, she decided to provide the service by way of large formats, parties, and home deliveries. Still taking a niche for herself. So under this billboard, finding business ideas is what am I good at? Remember, we are talking about laying the groundwork for entrepreneurial abilities. Laying the groundwork for entrepreneurship. What am I good at? The second big question you need to ask yourself within the ambits of finding business ideas is what other skills do I have? When considering your skills, please think outside the box. Or maybe you can start by saying there is no box at all. No inhibitions. Do you know that a carpenter may also be a, may good at project management? Do you know that a carpenter may be good at design, communication. But what are you looking at yourself? Saying, no, my job is just to knock wood together because you are a carpenter. You are an engineer. Do you know that an engineer may be so good, not just in math, mathematics as we call it, but in communication? Because engineering involves process. The average engineer is a project manager. Project management and design is what makes engineering. So why must you stick to one part where you are? A salesperson may have skills in persuasion, in selling, in influence and negotiation. The average salesman can become a negotiator. 
the average salesman can sit within the ambits of influencing people because persuasion is a skill that comes naturally with the terrain. So, apart from what you are good at, what other skills do you have? Some of them you may not know, maybe latent, very hidden. But I tell you, by measure of feedback from others, do you consciously populate this part of you? Do you consciously look at this part of you where people continuously tell you something about what you have, which you didn't know? You are blindsided because you don't believe in yourself. You're blindsided because people mock you. You're blindsided possibly because in your environment, they look down on you. And it's simply because the boss does not like you. Or maybe the boss is threatened by you, so he or she does everything to make you look bad. And so to that extent, you rarely allow people to get to the very core. And so when they make statements or give feedback, you throw it away. Please don't. You can do something. You can filter. A filtration process is natural. It separates the wheat from the chaff. It separates waste from substance. It separates liquid from waste. And every waste is not bad waste. Can be reconverted into something else or it becomes impute into another process. Whatever skills you have, those skills can actually become the gateway to support what you're good at and to help launch your business idea. Friends, we'll be right back. We'll take a break so we can pay some bills. As I always say, when we come back on the second half, we'll continue on this trajectory and we'll look at how we need to find business ideas. Don't go away. We'll be right back. This is Navigate with ID, brought to you by Corporate Shepherds. Welcome back, friends, to Navigate with ID. It's such an honor once again to have um, new joiners. Uh, just in case you tuned in to this beautiful station at this point, I welcome you. It's a business school on radio, and we are looking at a very interesting summer special, uh, which we have tagged Entrepreneurship 101. And in the course of the first half, we're looking strictly at how to lay the groundwork. This is the second session in the series. And what I said, it's time to start thinking about what your small business will look like. And the big question you would have to answer is where do you find ideas? Or you'll probably be asking yourself, where do I find ideas? How do you know if they are good ideas? And I said, finding ideas is almost like you know, staring at this big billboard in front of you that says finding business ideas. But it takes a process to make that happen. It's a process of questioning. And the big question is, what am I good at? And that in itself has several buckets. One is, what do I enjoy doing? What do you enjoy doing? What am I good at? Just like we've said. And what feedback have I gotten from others? What kind of feedback have you gotten from other people? that has in one way or that would in one way or the other lead you on a pathway, uh, that pathway will ultimately get you to a point where mm, 
I know I am good at this. The second big question we did talk about was, what other skills do you have? And what that means is, when considering your skills, you need to think outside the box, or maybe you know box thinking at all. And what it says is that, despite the fact that you're a carpenter, does not mean you can't be good at project management, design or communications. Despite the fact that you are a salesperson um, or an engineer, does not mean that you won't be skilled in persuasion, in influence and negotiation, because it's all about process. Engineers are process thinkers. Naturally, they will fit into project management, but I'll tell you there's more to it. The entire design an architectural piece, layer by layer, is what makes engineering tick. So there are skills that are embedded in that discipline. That third big question under finding business ideas is what can I make money from? You know, once upon a time, I read a book by Ken Blanchard. And in that book, there was a quote he had. And then the quote read, if nobody will pay you to do what you love, you have a hobby, not a career. I'll repeat that. Ken Blanchard once said, if nobody will pay you to do what you love, you have a hobby, not a career. How can you turn your skills into a marketable product? I mean, just look at what today you may consider the unprecedented dimensions of the internet, what it has brought. The internet has brought so much to the world that apart from information, it has made businesses thrive so very much. Every day, every second, every minute, every hour, businesses are being created off the internet. There is a huge exchange of value. But more importantly, we come home to the recent times, how technology has enabled businesses, either in the form of platforms or re-engineering or things that have been done in a particular way, but have now received a new skill called tech savviness. If you are not tech savvy, you miss so many opportunities. But if you are, then a lot of opportunities will get you in there. What I'm saying basically is that having Digital savvy skills can turn whatever you are currently doing into not just a marketable product, but you can now start making money from them. Gone are the days when we used to have stamp collection. I remember growing up, you know, when we used to have stamps. There were friends of mine, classmates. I remember for hours one guy who used to, um, my classmate at Baptist Academy, who was so much into stamps and the collection of stamps, and also my friend Rex, my childhood friend. Gone are those days. Now imagine, with that same philosophy, some other persons went into art. Today, with the advent of business-enabled via technology, call it social media, Artists do not actually need physical galleries. I'm not saying galleries are not required, but they can build galleries 
just from their cell phones. So they have their nice places, but their stores are now on their phones. But you then need to know how to navigate through the digital world. So look at it in another way. How can you turn your skills into a marketable product? Now, consider some examples. If you love collecting old clothes, for example, now you would wonder why am I collecting these old clothes? You love collecting to help people who don't have homes. But I'll tell you that the more you get into this trade by asking people to dump clothes that they do not wear again, more like a Salvation Army kind of thing, what you're bringing out really is a soft skill of care, that you care about people and who are these people? The homeless. And when you get those clothes from other people, you then wash them, launder them beautifully, and go under the bridges or to where you find the homeless, and you begin to distribute them. Do you know that this may give you so much fulfillment, but I tell you that at the tail end of the pipe, there will be people watching. That that little seed of venture may grow to become an enterprise. An enterprise which you can label as an NGO. Those who have been watching you over the years and over the time would have seen through your heart to say, that woman, that man has a heart of gold. I'm willing to give him or her whatever resources he may require so that he can make the world a better place. I'm just saying to you that it is not everything that translates to physical cash to you, but the skill of having a good heart and caring about your neighbor and going through a process will one day become a mighty oak tree. What you may term a hobby could be a lifesaver and ultimately change the course of your community or environment. If you are an experienced salesperson, you might be able to use those skills as a sales consultant. These days, we talk about feed farm. If you have recently lost a lot of weight, people might be interested in how you did it so that they can lose weight too. But these days, People tell you they dropped from 10 to 4. They dropped 6 kg and they attribute it to some product. And what happens? Many try, but they fail because there's no truth in it. I'm not talking about deception. I'm talking about going through it yourself and people can actually watch and see. You can convert your love for beauty the love for doing things into something that can convert to cash. There's a community which could be friends, family, could be your workplace colleagues, could be your members in church, people within your professional group, 
Maybe they just look at the way you make your hair. And people start consulting to say, how come your hair looks like this? You say, oh, you do X, Y, Z. And then from one, you consult for three, four, five. You don't need me to tell you that you have a business in the making. Start consulting. But then the same thing would happen with the skin. That people are going to ask you, how come your skin is so radiant? And it could just be that you're taking on a certain regime that's working for you. That regime of discipline, of doing certain things through a process, can earn you the right to begin to earn some money. It's a skill you've acquired. It's a skill that you've been able to walk through with discipline, and you can easily convert that to some financial reward. So the big question is, what problems truly exist? You have to consider how your useful skill, that is, that skill that you've converted into a product or service, will help solve a problem in the marketplace. Remember I gave you several touch points from the beauty, the hair beauty stuff, the skin, to talking about being philanthropic in nature by taking care of the homeless, you then appeal to different people. But let's look at the ecosystem which you represent by having moved your skill to a product and appealing to a certain group of customers. How can you get ideas within this whole space? When you look at an ecosystem, an ecosystem can actually be a gateway to your finding business ideas. Number one, look for inefficiencies in existing services. So if you're looking for a business idea and you have that billboard right before your face, business ideas, how do I find a business idea? The first thing you can look out for inefficiencies in existing services. Maybe people love the local bakeries and markets in your area, but what they dislike would be the way some of the bakeries around spend very poor hours and they open too late. Rather than open very early in the morning, they open, say, about 10, mid-morning. And maybe some of those bakeries lack as parking spaces or they have long queues whatever service is going to bring in inefficiency there is an opportunity locking for either one with ample car park better hours of um, operations or better still you can open the door for a delivery service which is what is rampant now everybody is into one service or product and the delivery service, no thanks to all the Okadas that were banned from last year or two years prior, delivery services or call them logistics services have become the, the good nature or market where all the Okada guys have become delivery men. And how do you know? I'm sure you've had somebody come to deliver 
he'll call you from the blues. And the call just happens in a split second. Hello, hello, hello. Delivery, delivery. I have a delivery. Bye-bye. Hello, hello. And the guy does not have five seconds to spare because he wants his credit. Maybe his employer said, I'm giving you only 100 naira. So it's not the fault of the man, the delivery man, his employer, who isn't providing the right service or tool for the man to work. But he gets so much in a hurry that they don't even deliver well. Or sometimes they miss the delivery points and mix up the products. That's story for another day. We're talking about the problems that exist within the space that would allow you to find your business idea. Another thing we could be an opportunity of getting ideas is to listen to what people are saying. You know, whenever you sit and put your ears to the ground, I remember reading the novel, James Hadley Chase, An Ear to the Ground. When you have your ears to the ground, you pick so much information. And if you want to know the best place to get information, you can get into several small spaces. Go to a newspaper stand. Just sit there by the vendor at a public square. You'll find people for two, three hours. If you sit down for two hours, you'll imagine the conversations that will go on. Just like people go to the beer parlor and they hear all manner of stuff. You can actually decipher what's going on in the neighborhood. You can tell about an existing business that lacks certain qualities. So if you are in a community where people are saying stuff, if, for example, the lack of parking at the local market drives you crazy, but you have never heard anyone else complain about it, it might not be much of an opportunity. But you, when you hear everybody talking about parking is a problem, parking is a problem, then it tells you that's not a place to put your business, but it provides a place you can go negotiate for a car park with the local government and then have someone stand there and maybe you can have about 10 cars to be parked in front of your premise or premises. So imagine your office is located somewhere and then your neighbor does not have ample parking space and you go over to the local government and get a permit to use that place as a car park, and you're paying the local government a stipend every month, you can go back and charge and put a man there to give them parking tickets. And that just could be a business idea. And this is supposed to be in front of your office, something you didn't know, but you've heard people talk about it. The third thing that can bring a business idea is looking for new ways that you can tap into current markets. For example, there are plenty of handbags and luggage lines out there. But a certain design or a certain type of bags for particular purposes do not exist. So what do I mean? If you have, especially for women, you know, these days, if you notice and you're very observant, women don't go about with handbags alone or purses, as it used to be in those days. Now they carry close to two or three. There's one they will sling as a handbag. There's another one that they will hold, 
and there's another one that is inside the one they are holding. So they can call it a salon bag when they're going to the salon, or if they're going to church, you'll find all manner of stuff in this other bag, or if they're going to the office, they carry bags in bags of bags. That's an opportunity that tells you if you are in a luggage building line, you can design something that is fit for purpose that can be an all-commerce thing. So a woman doesn't need to carry three bags. She just needs her purse or handbag. And then there's the other one that would house beautifully all the other compartments. One compartment definitely will be for shoes or slippers. The other compartment will be for ancillary stuff. And the third one will be for the feed farm. Many of them go around with water bottles now because they want to be fit. They're looking at themselves. Oh, they need water. Inside the water, they have all manner of cucumber, this and that, and they want to be healthy. If you design or have that with you, it could just be something that could be given out at weddings. So it becomes a line. And where do you sell it? On Instagram. That's where you find them. So the audience meets the product. And what you need to do is just to sit back, have your ears to the ground, or you watch for new ways that you can tap into current markets. That's a market sitting there. The fourth way you can actually determine or get ideas is to keep your eye on new technologies and offerings. I cannot emphasize this because it's currently in play. And so let me move to another point where you can consider spin-off opportunities and related products. So let me give a very vivid example. If you have a company that typically sells musical equipment or you are selling musical equipment and there's a company that sells, say, pianos, especially in upper middle centers. Now, you might want to start, if you're selling musical equipment, what you can do is to start offering piano lessons or saxophone lessons. What it means basically is at this period, when the children are on a holiday, there are music, either producers or specialists. There are people, instrumentalists, that are currently not working because the schools are out. I mean, I'm talking about on break. The schools are on break. Very many schools now are doing one thing or the other. Some back-to-school program or summer whatever program. But if you are a business owner, you are into selling musical equipment, what stops you from opening an opportunity by asking before this time, asking the schools that they can send their words for piano lessons, or you go to them, provide piano lessons, which they naturally would do, but I'm talking about your neighborhood or the community around you. Or you can also partner with someone to offer the service. This is a spin-off opportunity. It's an example of what I call a spin-off opportunity because this is your mainstay and your business, and what you need to do is to extend it into some other place. You can also put different things together in new ways. For example, 
if people used to go to a particular butcher or fishmonger, what stops you from putting all of that together and create a grocery that brings all of them into one space? So you're selling meat from the butchery. You're a fishmonger. What stops you from selling the entire range? What it means you can have a separate supermarket that offers one-stop shopping when it comes to these type of food. So I'm just saying to you that I can't afford to take one pathway, but I'm just giving you examples that speak to the fact that if you look carefully, you will see something. If you put your ears to the ground, you will hear something. If you sniff around, you will pick information because every single space is a business idea. And some may also listen, listening, say, what if I have a business idea? If you have a business idea or the beginnings of a small idea, going through an exercise like the one I've printed is even more important. Seriously considering what you want to do with your business and how it will make money will help ensure that you're on the right track. You may find bigger, better ideas that will make your small business more successful than you ever imagined. But I'll tell you something. If you already have a business idea, what are you doing about your customers? Friends, customer service is all that is. Without the customer, like I've said to you before, the king, the chairman, the CEO, the entrepreneur, the whoever is not paid, does not receive anything. So customer service is the very heart and the key. I'll end on this note, that if you want to have a good grasp of what your business idea will bring to the table, you must think about the customer. Friends, we'll be back, the same station, same program next week, as we look at another area on our journey of Entrepreneurship 101. Thank you for listening. If you have questions, please send a mail to contact at navigatewithid.com or you can follow me on my social media platforms. It's simply at I-D-Y-E-N-A-N-G. That is my handle. God bless you. Goodbye. And that was Navigate with ID, brought to you by Corporate Shepherds.